Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8. Let's begin to read in verse 1. Nehemiah 8 verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema uh, and Ananiah and Urjiah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right hand and on the left hand, Padiah and Mishael and uh, Malchiah uh, and Heshum and Hespadah and Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book of uh, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and when he opened it all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord and the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Jeshua and Benai and Sherebiah and Jamin and Akub and Shephthiah and Hodijah and Messiah and Kelatai and Ezriah and Josbad, Hanan and Peliah and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershathah, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God, mourn not nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. You can be seated this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your mercy and your grace that you've given us. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for being so good and being so good to us. I thank you, Lord, for the choir singing this morning. Uh, Lord, for the special singing. Glad that it was paid in full. And I trusted that. I pray today if there's somebody that has not trusted in the shed blood that was given to us at Calvary, that today they would come and get saved. I pray you'd help them to see their need. Lord, I ask this morning that you'd help us while we preach for a little while. 
Well, we seem very burdened down in heart this morning. I pray that you would stir within us and do a work in my life, Lord, that I cannot do. I pray that you'd do a work in these folks' lives this morning uh, that they cannot do. That, Lord, when we leave out of here, we would not only leave different, but we would leave better than what we come in. Lord, we just want to worship and praise you today, learn from your word. I pray you'd help us now. Touch those that are sick, and Lord, we'll give you the glory. Save that sinner's nearest hell for all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As we read this chapter to understand what is going on, uh, in the book of Ezra, they rebuilt the temple or started rebuilding the temple and did. And when we come to Nehemiah, uh, he's rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. And we've looked at that over the past few weeks and at times in the messages about uh, having to fight. I've preached a series of messages uh, on, on our Christian life. And uh, we look at uh, uh, running the Christian race and fighting the Christian fight. And then last Sunday morning, we looked at working the Christian work. But this morning, I want to see on enjoying uh, the Christian's joy. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're going to race, and if you're going to fight, and you're going to work, you're going to need some joy. Because you're not going to be able to go. You're not going to be able to get it done. You're going to run out of steam somewhere along the way and you're going to need some joy. And so as I began, as the Lord dropped me to these, uh, this verse, as a matter of fact, more than a week ago, and I uh, thought about enjoying the Christian joy, uh, there are some people that are serving Christ uh, but just like in Ephesians 2 or at Revelations 2, the church at Ephesus, they were serving out of duty more than they were serving out of desire. I'm afraid that a lot of times that in our life we serve more out of duty than we do out of desire because we enjoy it. Let me say today, you and I should enjoy serving God. Amen. I mean, for the Christian, it ought to be a joyful thing uh, to get to serve him. But I, I do know that he warns us in the book of Galatians. Uh, uh, he said, let us not be weary in well-doing. Uh, uh, and so weariness might come and will come. Uh, but he said, we'll reap uh, if we faint not. I want you to look at what's going on real quick right here. Uh, as he's talking about having joy... Uh, uh, in verse 3, uh, uh, they listen attentive uh, under the book of the law. So they've come out, uh, uh, and Ezra and Nehemiah uh, and the Levites and other men uh, have got the word of God and they're teaching, uh, uh, and if I can say probably preaching, uh, uh, the word of God. They are making them uh, to understand. In verses 7 and 8, uh, it said they caused the people to understand the law uh, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book uh, in the law of God distinctly and gave the assents uh, and caused them to understand the reading. Uh, and so they told them what the word of God said uh, and what it meant uh, and gave them understanding of what God uh, wanted from their life. Uh, you look in verse 9, the Bible said, uh, and the people wept. 
Uh, have you ever read the Word of God, heard the Word of God taught uh, or preached uh, uh, and conviction uh, fell in your life? Amen. It should somewhere along the way. Uh, I mean, it really should. If you're lost, uh, uh, listen, uh, somewhere the message of the gospel uh, or to prick your heart uh, and bring conviction uh, upon you. And you ought to get sorry for your sin. But then have you ever looked into the perfect law of liberty uh, and seen what God required uh, uh, out of our life uh, uh, and realized that we were not living up uh, to what the Word of God had required out of a Christian? And there's plenty of carnal people out there, but there should not be carnal Christians. Amen. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I do believe in holiness and uh, righteousness, but I also know we got to live life, and I'm I'm not giving us an excuse or a reason to sin or to sleep in that way. I, I'm not. I, I promise you, I'm not, because I I want to live holy and righteous before God. But if you ever find yourself not right before God, you can get right. Amen. Amen. But it's going to take us awful heart to do that. You've got to come to a place where you're sorry uh, that you had offended God and sorry for the lie, for, for what had slipped in or what had come into your family or come into your home. Uh, uh, listen, there's been some things that I just had to tell God I'm sorry for. And I'm sorry that I let that happen. I'm sorry that I didn't make my stand like I should have. And I'm sorry that all this happened. But I want you to look. He said right here, that they told them, and I believe they knew that they were broken hearted, but it was a holy day to them. And he told them this, he said, neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what, once you say I'm sorry and you just get things fixed up with God, there's a lot of preachers who want to beat people down and keep them in a beat down position. They do. I just be honest with you. I've been around some of them. I certainly don't want to be one of them. But what they wanted them to do right here uh, uh, was to know uh, and have the joy of the Lord. Why? Because that's their strength. Notice right here in verse ten, as he said, "Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength." Yet listen, I'm, I'm glad that we repent unto sorrow, sorrow unto repentance. Uh, uh, but you know what? You, you understand that thing and you get it fixed. Uh, uh, friend, you can quit being sorry for it uh, and go on and serve God. Amen. 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 But right here in verse 12, it said that all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to sin portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Why can I enjoy the Christian's joy today? Why is that? Why can I have Christian joy? When everything is falling down around us, Brother Jeff taught about it in Sunday school this morning, with great tribulation they were going to enter into heaven. Uh, he talked about out of Acts chapter 14 where Paul had been stoned uh, and he went back and told them boys over there, he said, there's going to be tribulation we have to face uh, and go through. And as I look at this scripture right here, when he said uh, that, that the joy of the Lord is his strength, uh, it said in verse 12, they went on and had great mirth. Why? Because they understood the words that were declared unto them. Amen. 
they understood the book. They understood what the promise was. They understood what God had said. You know why a lot of people don't have joy in their Christian life? They don't understand what God has said. What do you mean, preacher, they don't understand? They, they, let me say this. Do you have joy in salvation? Yes. Do you have joy in being saved yes. this morning? Why is that? Why do you have joy in being saved this morning? Well, preacher, I've just got saved. God put joy on the inside of it. Okay, I will agree to that. But what if you wake up tomorrow uh, and you don't feel like you've got joy and you've got happiness? Then what? You're going to tell me you wake up every morning uh, with a smile on your face uh, and there ain't something bombarding you. Uh, uh, and, and I mean, it seems like the world's coming in on you. Uh, uh, you'll just stay with me here, won't you, this morning. Uh, uh, and it seems like, uh, let me ask you this. You ever woke up and didn't feel saved? See, you're afraid to admit that. I'll admit it for me and you both. There's been times that I've been there. There's been times that I've got up and boy, the, uh, the goosebumps and the joy pumps uh, wasn't on me. Well, preacher, why do you keep going? Because I understand uh, what the Bible says. I understand this morning uh, that when he told that Philippian jailer in Acts 16, uh, when he came up there and said, Sirs, uh, what must I do to be saved? Uh, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. Uh, I know what Romans 10 and 9 said. Uh, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus uh, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Uh, thou shalt be saved. Uh, uh, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness uh, and with the mouth confession is made uh, unto salvation. I believe that and know that. I understand that. That's what I did. What did you do to get saved? Amen. Well, preacher... What if you're now? You, you, you want me to tell you where me and the devil fight at a lot of times? You want me to tell you? I know what I did to get saved. I found myself lost, and I found myself at an altar, and I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. And I know what the Bible said in John chapter 6. All the Father that giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I, I know that. I know that if a man, woman, boy, or girl will come to Jesus Christ uh, uh, with a repentative heart and ask him to save, uh, uh, he'll do that this morning. I know that. But then the devil will say, well, what happens if you didn't believe right? What happens if you really didn't mean it? When you went to get saved. See, ever done you like that? Jump up on your shoulder and tell you, well, you probably didn't mean, you probably didn't, you went for the wrong reason. Huh? I tell you, I didn't go for the wrong reason. I don't even remember what the preacher preached on that night, but I do know by the time that invitation was given, I found myself lost. Now, I do remember that, amen. Being saved, knowing what the Bible says, that friend that if you come, I, he would save. Yes. I do understand that some folk come and they never pray. I understand that some come because a friend came and they knelt down on an altar. I, I understand that. And, and, and I don't try to work that stuff out. I try to let God work that stuff out. 
Amen. I try to let him work that mess out I, I, in people's hearts. I, I, I talked to, uh, well, I'll just be honest with you. I, I talked to uh, Brother Morris when he came in and preached our homecoming. You know, he's in his, what is he, 85, 86 years old. And uh, we went over to the Hardys and got us a cup of coffee Monday morning and, and uh, just visited for a little while. And uh, he told me, he said, uh, uh, when I got saved, he said, I, I, I knelt down at that altar and, and asked Jesus to save me. And he said, but man, there was people all around me uh, praying. And he said, they're all praying out loud. And, and he said, for a while, he said, after I got saved, he said, Satan just, just bothered me about all that was going on and taking place. And was it real? I mean, I ain't the only one he's ever bothered about that over the years, was it? Was it real? Was it real? Did you really mean it? I'm telling you right now that if you come to Jesus Christ finding yourself lost in a repentant state and ask Him to save you, He done His part. I'm not trying to talk you into salvation or out of it. All I'm trying to tell you is I find joy. I know there's joy in salvation because I understand this book that if you'll come, you can believe Him and trust Him. Hebrews 12 talks about uh, how that he cannot lie uh, and that is an anchor of the soul. Uh, and friend, this morning I'm believing what the book says. Amen. This should bring joy. Joy in knowing that you're saved, but joy in knowing that you're saved eternally. Now you may not believe that and bless your heart. <laughs> I do believe in eternal security of the believer. I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, oh, why I have joy uh, and I'll get to the strength. I mean, you do know what joy means. It's talking about being happy. I mean, we've got too many people, I'm talking about saved people that are unhappy. I mean, they're just beat down. And, I, I'm, I'm, and listen, I'm as independent Baptist as anybody else can be, uh, uh, friend, but I'm telling you, we have ruined people and in independent movement and in independent Baptist churches uh, that we can't let people be people. Uh, and they're afraid if they move, uh, uh, they, if they squeak the wrong way or say the wrong word or think the wrong, I'm just telling you, they're scared to death what somebody else might think. I'm just telling you how it is. I believe in holiness. I believe in righteousness. But I, I'm, I'm telling you today, there is joy. I mean, we look at people and we see them happy. And I'm not about safe, folk. And if we ain't careful, we'll wonder, what's the matter with them? <laughs> Amen. Instead of, we look at them and they're downtrodden and we, we say, oh, well, I know what they're going through. <laughs> they're saved. So, you've got to be downtrodden. If you're saved, you've got to be downtrodden. I mean, that's what people think today. That there's no joy in salvation. There's joy in knowing I'm saved, but there's joy in knowing I'm saved eternally. Little John said, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You go to John chapter 10. You go to John 10, and he lays it out so plain over here. John 10 and verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I am my Father one. Now, we can look at the dispensational truth about that thing, but I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. I'm in His hand. I'm in the Father's hand. They're one, and you can't get out of that thing. You cannot get out of His hand. I, I, no matter how much you try, I want to. The devil can't steal you. He can't take you away. I mean, the Bible said, for the wages of sin is death, I, but the gift of God is eternal life I, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Eternal life. Hey, listen, when you got saved, I, you got eternal life in Jesus Christ. Listen to me this morning. No matter what happens in this life, We've got eternity in front of us with Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm saved and kept by Him. You don't talk about having joy. That ought to put some joy in your heart. That ought to put some happiness in you. To know that you're saved forever. To know that you're saved forever. As I studied that portion of the message I, and looked over it, I thought about, I thought about 1, Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Uh, David is not king. He's been anointed king, but he ain't king. Uh, uh, Saul's still king. And in 1 Samuel 30, uh, they they went out to fight with the Philistines. He was going to side with the Philistines, and the Philistines would not let him fight. Well, while they're gone uh, to join up with the Philistines, and he's on his way back, the town where he's staying is Ziklag. And the Amalekites come through, and they burn the town of Ziklag. And they take the sons and the daughters and the wives of all the men and they take off. And so David and his 600 men take off after them and 400 keep going. Two of them have to rest because they're so faint. And so the Bible said in verse 10 after they, they go over the brook Besor, verse 11 said they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days ago and I fell sick. I want you to remember that. And we made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belonged to Judah and upon the south of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said unto him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, and here's what he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me neither deliver me into the hands of my master and I will bring thee down to this company. What's that got to do with anything? This old boy right here he did not want to go back to his old master. His master had left him out in the field three days ago because he got sick. And David said, can you take me uh, to where the enemy is, basically. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll take you, but please don't kill me and don't give me back to my old master. Now I'm going to tell you something. They sort of excite you uh, he will not give you back to your old master. He will not give you back. You belong to him. You are his child. He paid for you and bought you. He's keeping you. And that ought to put joy and peace and happiness down in our heart. There's joy 
in salvation. There's joy in being saved eternally and not to go back to our old master. I'm saved eternally. If you don't know that, listen to me, you're going to miss something. If you don't know that you're saved eternally, then you're going to have torment in your life. You're going to wonder if I mess up, am I lost again? You're going to wonder, well, did I really mean what I said when I got saved? Now, I'm glad God can put peace in our heart and joy, but I'm talking about knowing what the Word of God says. You've got to know it because I'm going to be honest with you, friend. If you're running on feelings, your feelings are going to let you down. I'm glad I've got a salvation I can feel. I'm glad I've got something that's real on the inside. I know that. I understand that. But I know this book is right when the world's on fire and it's burning down. This book will still be here. I know that. What about you? Boy, I'm telling you, you mean you could ever get Romans 6. I thought about this early this morning. Romans 6, verse 18. The Bible said, being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I'm free from sin. That'll do something for you on the inside. Sin no longer has dominion. Sin no longer controls you. Sin no more rules your heart. Listen, I know what the Bible says. He said, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your, your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and to holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. I've been made free from sin. Sin no longer rules me, controls me, or has dominion over me. I've been made free from that thing. How else are you going to read that? How else are you going to teach that? How else are you going to preach that? Listen, I've been made free from sin. Brother Ken Murphy, our missionary to Germany, if you ever find his uh, email address, it is Ken Free From Sin. That's his email address. I'm glad to be made free from sin. It does something. It gives me joy on the inside. Joy that there's help. Joy that there's help. Aren't you glad the Bible tells us that there's help? Amen. What do you mean that there's help? Don't you need help in your life? Amen. Are you running this thing on your own? I mean, are you, I mean, are you doing all this by yourself? Are you keeping yourself? Are you giving yourself direction? And again, there's a game me and the devil plays a lot of times. I, I is, well, you, you, you made that decision. You made that decision. Who made the decision? You're God. You know, in starting this radio station, which by the way, we ought to be figuring it out here in a day or two. We ought to be getting the paperwork back from the government, from the FCC. Everything got filed. But you can ask these men, the one thing that I would talk to them about down in the, in the prior room and, uh, and in the men's uh, room and as we would talk about starting this thing. My one concern was to make sure it's God's will. 
to make sure it was him and not me. I mean, I'm just being honest. Because I know that I can get me in the way. But you know, to know that there's help out there, and to know that I can look up to heaven, and to know that I can pray, what was it in Hebrews 4? Uh, he, said, he said, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, uh, that we may find mercy and grace to help uh, in a time of need, uh, uh, that all we have to do is fall on our knees uh, uh, and by our heart, uh, uh, and we can find help from God. Amen. There's joy in that. There's joy in that. There's joy in to know that the scripture said, casting all you care upon him, casting all you care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. There's joy in that. Joy. I think about the joy Think about them and go to the book of Second Corinthians. Chapter 12. The Apostle Paul has been caught up into heaven and heard things that was unlawful to utter. Probably when he was stoned at Lystra, as Brother Jeff talked about in Acts chapter 14 this morning. This is probably it. Verse 7. Unless I should be exalted by measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What ought to bring joy to you? Do you understand scripture? That his grace is sufficient? Have you ever had to experience his grace other than in salvation? Have you ever just had to have his grace to make it through a hard time or a bad time? Uh, uh, And and even, I'll be honest with you, I've even looked up to heaven uh, uh, and said, Lord, are are you going to come by or not? Are you going to help or not? Are you going to make me feel better about this situation or not? He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Grace is sufficient for the believer. He will not always fix what's wrong. He will not always fix the problem. But he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When I read that scripture and find out that God's grace is sufficient... In other words, uh, it will work, it will do, it is plentiful. I find out that there's joy in my life. Why? I understand the scripture. 
His grace is sufficient. When I find out that He will not leave me nor forsake me, when He said in John 14 and verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you, I understand that. He stood with Paul when he had to face Alexander. I talked about being snatched out of the mouth of the lion. He showed up for the three Hebrew men over there and he shut the mouth of the lion uh, for Daniel in the den of lions over there. Why do you think we have all those stories in the Bible? It's just not to prove God's capability, but it is to prove that he'll be there with us. Joy. They understood the Word of God. I understand the Word of God that He will not leave me, but He will help me. By the way, this is a very simple message, by the way. Can I ask you something? Can I ask you a question? Has there ever been a time when you needed help and God came by? You needed help. There was no help from the world. There, it seems like even, even, even I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, there's been times that I went to meet and I wasn't doing the preaching, but when I went there, I was looking for something. And there's just been times that I went at looking for something and left out of there in worse shape than what I went in there. Man, that's a bad way to go to church, man, to leave out of there in worse shape than what you went in. Because I just, I just needed God to do something in my heart and in my life. And, and I really wanted, I really just wanted Him. You know, sometimes I just want God to speak to me and hit me on top of the head and say, Would you listen? And here's the answer. Sometimes that's what I want. It don't always work that way. But even those times when it ain't come like I thought, He does show up. And He has gave me help. I've seen him move in my life. I've seen him move in, in a lot of your lives. I've watched God move and do things for you that is amazing. You know why I have joy? Because I know there's a day of hope out there. What do you mean there's a day of hope? I know all that's going to come to pass. I know what his word said. I know when he talks about let us not be weary and well doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I know there's a reaping day out there. I know the work that I put in, the labor that I put in. He said, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you've showed toward His name and that you've ministered to saints and do minister. I know it's out there somewhere. I, I, know that, I, I know that if I trust Him and believe what this book says, I know heaven's my home. I, I know that He's going to help somewhere along the line. I, I know all that's out there somewhere. It may be bad today, but I know He's going to help. I know that. Now, I, I don't want to preach into a bad place. I'm afraid sometimes as preachers we do that. We, you'll come in here feeling pretty good and by the time you leave, we, we've got you beat down if we ain't careful. And that's not what I'm trying to do. Because you may be in a good spot in your Christian life and keep on, keep on being in that good spot. But you may not be this morning. You may be looking for that joy and needing that joy. But notice what it said, that the joy of the Lord was our strength. Our strength, the strength is that vigor that allows us to keep going. I know what the book says. And on days when I still don't feel like going, this is why I go. Because I know what the book says. That gives me strength to go on. It gives me strength 
to face what's coming. We cannot make it without His joy and His strength in our heart today and in our life. I hope you know Him and know what I'm talking about. I hope I, I, I hope I mess this thing up. But I'm telling you right now, they had great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. I'm telling you, if you come and got saved, He's keeping. You serve Him, He's keeping. You work for Him, He will work with you and help you do the work and give the increase. First Corinthians 3, He's going to see us through and at the end of it all, there is a day to be with Him. Second Corinthians 5 and 8, the Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Angels come and got Lazarus, took him to Abraham's bosom, Luke 16. David said in Psalms 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He said, Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. I know when that day comes, I've got something to look forward to out yonder. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about dying. I may not like how I'm going to die. I don't have to worry about dying. Why? I got saved. And there is joy in this life in serving Jesus. Let's bow our heads this morning if we would. Men, if you come, Brother Jeff. Brother Lewis, come to the pen if you would, brother. Let's get a verse of invitation this morning. Maybe you're needing that joy. Uh, maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you can't get that thing settled in your heart and in your soul and in your mind. You can come this morning and you can trust the Lord. Maybe that's what you need to do is just trust what the book says. Maybe that's your whole problem. You, you, just, you don't have faith in the Word of God. You've just not trusted what God says. If, if you can't trust what God says, you, you're going to have torment. And you're going to have doubt. And you're going to have sorrow. Well, preacher, it, it ain't going to fix everything. But yeah, but boy, it'll get you pointed in the right direction. If you'll just trust him. And then you can find out what he wants you to do and how to live your life. Just in trusting him.